Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode here of In the Zone, episode 192 today. I'm Giancarlo Lino, joined here as always, Chris Martelli, and uh, it's going to be a wrestling-heavy show today. Uh, two big pay-per-views going on. First on Saturday, we'll start off with WWE Clash at the Castle, WWE returning to the UK, Cardiff, and a big stadium show. So, uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on just the whole build-up to this and WWE going for a massive pay-per-view in a stadium in the UK? Uh, it's definitely great for the company, man. It, other than the big four with with uh, the Rumble and SummerSlam, Mania, Survivor Series, I feel like this is a, a big-time moment. I know they have Crown Jewel and they have the Saudi shows, but that's a little bit different here. Now you're in UK. I've said before that the UK fans – they're nuts with wrestling. It, like for them there, it's like more of a culture. It's like, I don't want to maybe go to the extreme of saying that the UK wrestling, like wrestling in UK is like hockey here, but I think it's very similar. Like in UK, they're wrestling seriously. WWE has even given UK a whole brand for NXT. So the fan base is obviously huge. I think regardless I said this to you, Alino. I think WWE is in phenomenal shape right now. The structure of the cards, um, the wrestlers, the, the feuds, the programs, Triple H. He's done a hell of a job. And I think with Clash of the Castle, I'm not a big fan of the name. But, you know, with the venue, with it being in, in the United Kingdom, I think it's going to be a smash hit, man. Honestly, I think we're going to see this a lot more often now. And you think it takes away from the appeal there? Like, I know everybody sees SummerSlam, WrestleMania, even Royal Rumble in stadiums, uh, Royal Rumble going to, like, baseball diamonds. But, like, Survivor Series, you think it takes the appeal of Survivor Series? Because that, I think, hasn't been one. I think that's been the only one that hasn't been in a stadium. I think it has over the last couple of years. I'll say since when was the great what was it? The great Royal rumble. Remember they had that one pay-per-view. I think that was what 2018. Yeah. Maybe since 2018, that was the last time I think survivor series was considered big time. I know they've, they, you know, they've done their huge programs. I remember when they did AJ versus Brock and Brock versus Brian, that was like the be all end all. That was a really big deal, but yeah, man, I, I agree with you. I think since the Saudi shows, since, you know, them going to stadium. And even, like I mentioned, uh, Survivor Series hasn't been in a stadium yet. I don't know if it's going to be. But again, Alino, I'll ask you this. I kind of like the MSG approach where, yeah, you know, it's not a big venue, but it's very historic. Do you think Survivor Series should just be held at MSG every year? Or would you go to the bigger crowd, go to the stadium and make Survivor Series a little bit more um, important moving forward? Because honestly, I like the old school approach. I like the trademark I like the vintage stuff with MSG. Yeah, I'm with you. I like if they go to MSG, it would make it feel more important. I know November is probably not the best for picking stadiums. Like you would have to go somewhere and be really selective with where you go and climate and everything. And if it's an indoor stadium, if they have something where it could accommodate like maybe 30,000 would be a good number. Probably NCAA stadiums, you might have a better opportunity with that, but I think MSG, like, I, I think I agree. I think that's a nice venue where if you stage it a certain way, it can make it feel like a big-time event for WWE. Yeah, like, for example, too, Aldino, you know, look at WrestleMania 20. Like, they that was a huge WrestleMania for the company. It's the 20th anniversary of WrestleMania, and 
it was in a pretty small venue, man. It was like, what, 30,000 people were there. They made it really, really important, you know, with the match of Kane and The Undertaker and Undertaker coming back. And, you know, you had obviously that historic triple threat where we can't mention a name in there. So um, WrestleMania 20, I think that's the perfect example. You maybe start with that blueprint. Look at how WrestleMania 20 went, how successful it was in a smaller venue. If you can do that every year with Survivor Series, maybe have that one big feel match, like fight feel match every Survivor Series. You don't have to rely on the five on five too, Alino. I think they've been doing that for too long now. They rely on the tag team match to really gravitate the fans to watch the show. I think, let's say November comes, Reigns is still the champion. You maybe do Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins. You could do a Roman Reigns versus a returning John Cena. Just a match that really appeals to the fans because I feel like the last couple of years they've really heavily relied on guys like Keith Lee in the past. And those names that have kind of been exciting up and coming guys. But again, we saw at the end of the, at the end of the road, didn't really amount to anything. So I think they have to stop relying on the five on five and go to MSG and maybe have that one big fight feel match. Yeah. I'm with you there. Uh, Clash of the Castle will probably lead towards the buildup for Survivor Series because a lot of these outcomes, like depending on who the champion will be, I think it's safe to say going into Survivor Series and a two-month build, they'll probably still hold the title for their brand. And the first one is an interesting one here, uh, Liv Morgan versus Shayna Baszler. I don't know what to feel about this whole feud just because like Liv Morgan did beat Ronda Rousey twice. And you would think that would make her like this unstoppable force. But now Shayna Baszler comes out and it looks like they're building her up to squash Liv Morgan. Do you think if they end her reign right now after a month, it's just going to have like a horrible effect on her career? I don't know. This is to me an intriguing situation. Liv Morgan's had her opportunity. She won the money in the bank and she was successful in cashing in on Ronda and, you know, the rest is history. But Shayna Baszler, Alino, I was just telling you about Asuka, how disappointed I've been with the development and just the way they've dealt with her. I think it's been the same with Shayna since she had that match with Charlotte at WrestleMania for the pandemic. She hasn't really bounced back since. And I think this is a spot where if she wins, I'm happy. And if she loses, I'm happy. So the fact that she's getting this spot here, Ronda Rousey, we know, is still wrecking havoc every week, getting arrested and, you know, being a big problem. I think as long as Ronda Rousey's a heel and we saw her, you know, interact with uh, Shayna a couple times backstage, I wouldn't be surprised if Shayna Baszler wins it here and we get a Ronda Rousey-Baszler feud for months on end man like i think that could be a feud that you can rely on for two to three months if if triple h is so keen on Shayna being the the woman to take it from Liv. but regardless i you know i love Liv morgan i think the the improvement in the ring has shown that she's definitely motivated and passionate to be here long term and i think it's you could say it's arguably uh, similar to carmella's run but I think Liv Morgan is the type of woman where any situation she's in at this very moment on SmackDown, I think she'll knock it out of the park. But regardless, I do see Liv Morgan retaining. I think she'll lose it, though, at Survivor Series. Yeah, should be like good for her. Like 
I agree with you. In ring, improved a lot. She can do different characters as a heel face. So I think she can make it work either way. It's just going to come down to, like you said, like how long they're going to have this and what they're going to do going in towards Survivor Series. But uh, on this topic of the women's division, the other women's champion, Bianca Belair, is in a six-woman tag match at this event, uh, teaming with Alexa Bliss and Asuka to take on this group where with uh bailey eo sky and dakota kai do you think this is just a throwaway match that has a feeling of like our average raw match or do you think there's going to be something that surprises you in this this is this is the definition to me of disappointing in terms of what we've got from bianca the last year and a half i think this is like worst case scenario i know it was great to see Bailey, EO, and Dakota all come out at once at SummerSlam, but I just feel like you could have had, first of all, you could have had those two win the tag titles. I thought that was a little bit of a head-scratching decision to have Aaliyah and Raquel win it, but again, it was a surprise. But if you're looking at Bailey, I think she's the type of woman where it should have been just Bianca versus Bailey here for the title. I don't think you need to have Alexa Bliss and Asuka here and the other two, I just think, you know, they bring the star power, all six of them. Don't get me wrong. They all have been absolutely outstanding at their craft for a while. Bailey, we've missed her the last year and a half. So it's just, I think like Alexa Bliss, Oscar. I feel like they specifically put this match together because those two are in this match. You know what I mean? Bliss and Oscar have that star power. Bailey has that star power. Io Shirai and, and NXT man. Wow. One of the greatest women I've seen wrestle in a while. So I think it's still going to be a good match, but I just don't see any storylines being evolved here. I just think, okay, it's a six man. Yeah, it's cool. We saw Trish Stratus two weeks ago, but other than that, like what's the build for this, Aline? Are you gonna get Trish Stratus versus Bailey? Like I I don't really know if that's even worth it at this point. But regardless, I think if there's one person I'm very disappointed with here it's the situation with Bianca because I don't know who her next opponent is. Yeah. And just this whole situation there with uh, all six of them, just having this tag match. Do you think it will lead to Sasha Banks and Naomi coming out after this, or do you think it will hold that off for maybe raw or SmackDown after the event? I think with the, the trend with WWE, how they're having people kind of come out almost weekly at this point i wouldn't be surprised if we do see a lot of big faces at this pay-per-view as it is in uk i think they're trying to get a lot of um crowd reaction out you know this is the first pay-per-view in the united kingdom it's a huge deal i think i do see sasha banks and naomi coming out whether that's after the match during the match i'm not really sure but i do see sasha banks and, and bailey locking horns again because those two they used to be best friends they were the first ever women's tag team champions i think like i said if it's not bailey versus trish stratus down the line we have to see sasha versus bailey yeah and uh going on here to a matchup that a lot of people are talking about sheamus versus gunther intercontinental title the title that sheamus has never won these two fellas are going to go at it. Uh, it's going to probably be the most hard-hitting match on the show. For sure. Do you think Sheamus finally gets that IC title? Uh, nah, man. He'll come up <laughs> short. I, I think, obviously, like 
he'll get a big pop regardless. Both these guys will. I think this is the one match I'm looking forward to, Alino, just based off the crowd involvement, uh, seeing Gunther go up one-on-one at a pay-per-view against the guy who's been doing it for the last 13 years in Sheamus. So, you know me, man. I'm pale like Sheamus. I'm a big Sheamus guy. I have been for a while. At least the last 11 years I've been going for Sheamus. And I want to see him win the Grand Slam, you know, become a Grand Slam champion, win the Intercontinental title. But Gunther's on another level right now, man. This is an up-and-coming guy that I think could be a main event type of guy. I see him kind of – I know he's probably going to have a higher ceiling than Strowman, but I think it's very similar the way they're kind of grooming Gunther, at least at the main roster level. We saw him in NXT. He dominated. But I think for now it's a good stepping stone for Gunther. I think Sheamus is at this point in in his career where he can put someone over. I think Gunther gets the win, but if Sheamus were to win, man – that's historic stuff right there. I just like, like even looking at this picture, like this finally feels like a big fight feel for the Intercontinental title. I think that was lacking for Holy. the better part of like four years now. Ever since Miz lost it and uh, Balor had it, like him, Miz, and uh, Seth Rollins are having their triple threats where they were entertaining. That's the last time I really felt that the title was meaningful. Like Shinsuke had it, but they never did anything with it. Now with Gunther as champion, uh, all these exciting matchups come up like this one. And do you think this should be a longer term rivalry type of thing? Or would you be happy if it's just one match? No, this has to be a long term. I, I think there's if if they really want to build it depends how you want to really build Gunther, man. If you really want to have him, you know, win a hard fought battle here and then maybe they shake hands after. That's one thing. I don't see it happening. I, we know that Gunther's the heel here. I think, you know, he wins this one. I think it's going to be about a 10, 15-minute brawl, but you have to continue with it. I think Sheamus is that perfect opponent where he's not necessarily a baby, baby face like he was in 2012. He's more like that badass type of Irishman that will go up against anybody. He's more of a tweener, I think, but no, man, I'm not content with a, just a one-off here. I think you got to continue with it. And you know what, man? You were bringing up so many names there with the Intercontinental title. Like, I forget, I'll, you know, that Finn Balor and Bobby Lashley also had the title. And that amounted to, I, I don't want to say dick, like dick. It amounted to nothing. Like, literally nothing. So, the fact that we're getting a big-time feel for an Intercontinental title match, it's just... I'm smiling, man. I'm happy about it. So I think Gunther wins this. But like I mentioned, Sheamus isn't going down without a fight, and I think he's going to get another match. And uh, you got to mention there, Butch, that little rascal on the outside. <laughs> it's always Mr. On Sight with that guy. Every time you see somebody, even if it's Sheamus or uh, Ridge there, he's going to go fight him. His own teammates, he's gonna, they had to settle down a couple times with him because he just likes going after people. Do you think he's going to turn on Sheamus and uh, bring out that bruiser weight that he was in NXT? You know what, man? If, like I said, if it is a one-off and this results and you have Sheamus versus him down the line, I love it for for uh, for for both guys, for for him and for Sheamus. I think when you look at what he's been doing since what I want to say April, it's it's pretty damn solid, man. Like this is a guy where. He's still a bit of an unknown for me. I, I don't know too much. Are, are you talking about Pete Dunn or the other guy? Oh, yeah, Pete Dunn. Yeah, Pete Dunn. Yeah, no, like he, this is a guy where 
like he's deserving of something at least. Like he like I said with Gunther, he dominated NXT. Pete Dunne, same thing, dominated NXT. Remember, I think it was three years ago, Alina, when he came out in the Rumble, and he he yeah. was just absolutely incredible. So, I think if like I mentioned with like so many guys in the past, like with Ciampa coming up and Gargano and all these guys that dominated NXT, if your few if your first meaningful singles feud is with a future Hall of Famer and Sheamus, then there's only it's only going to be fireworks and positivity from there. So. If he does turn on Sheamus and cost Sheamus the title, I think it's a win-win regardless for both guys. But I don't know. Maybe I'll save that for Survivor Series. I don't know if he should maybe turn uh, this soon. But wouldn't be surprised. He is a rowdy little rascal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, Save it for then. And that's why I want Gunther just to retain. I'd love to see Sheamus win, but just looking at Survivor Series being two months away and Bobby Lashley being the United States champ, I want to see Gunther and Bobby Lashley go at it at Survivor Series. So that's why I just want Gunther to retain here. But on to the next match, which is equally as uh, exciting with all the twists and turns. We got Edge teaming up with Rey Mysterio (laughs) to take on the Judgment Day and they recreated that thing with Kurt Angle on Raw from 20 years ago when he had the cue cards up and <laughs> rights on the back. And after the match, after that little thing, we see Dominic uh, have the news broken to him that it's going to be Ray and Edge. Even though Edge is uh, he's part of the family, so he's still keeping it there, but Dominic has to be on the outside. Dominic looked a little shooken up about that. Like, do you think he's going to cost his dad and edge the title, not the title, the match there at uh, Clash of the Castle? Absolutely, man. We're going to get a heel turn finally. You've been saying it for so long. I know you've wanted Ray to turn, but we're going to get Dominic turning here. And it's it's also awesome how you integrated Kurt Angle and Edge into a Dominic heel turn. I, I never thought Edge would be involved in a Dominic Mysterio heel turn. So what we saw on Raw with Rhea basically controlling what Dominic does, that's basically a hint that he's gonna he's already comfortable around Rhea Ripley. I don't know what happened backstage with those two, but, you know, good for Dominic. Um, I think this is going to be the career-changing move that we see from Dominic. It's either going to make his career or put his career, I guess, on either a, I won't say downward spiral, but I don't know, man. I don't know if, if I see Dominic as that, like really, really dominant heel. I, I love, I love Ray. Ray has never been healed by the way in his career. That's remarkable. But Dominic, like, dude, what do you think about it? I, 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 I think we're going to get Dominic and uh, probably Dominic and Ray at Survivor Series. Maybe that's the big time promotional match there. But what do you think about the long-term factor for a dominic heel turn because i i'm still not sure about it yeah i'm with you like that's the reason why i wanted ray to turn heel i think it would have been fresh and it would have even kept dominic in a place where he's not gonna have all this pressure on him uh like you touched on it there like it's gonna make or break his career if this heel turn doesn't work like i don't know what else he can do at that point if he's turning on his dad and he's turning on edge and they're going to be involved in that story. Like they're going to have to make that work and put more effort in. If Ray turned heel, it would have, he wouldn't have had the same amount of pressure because it's something new for him. And I think it would have made it where it would have been a big time thing. Like I watched that uh, legends doc that they had on the weekend there of Rey Mysterio and 
that whole rivalry with Eddie Guerrero. I think Ray's learned so much being around all these guys and he's been around like four generations of top guys when he was in WCW he was like 20 years old and the guys like Hogan, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall were there. Then he goes on, he wrestles with guys like Eddie and uh, Kurt Angle, Edge and Cena and Brock. So he's been with all these generations of guys. I think he's learned so much to be a top heel. It's just they haven't pulled the trigger on it. And I guess Dominic's going to be the one that has that pressure on him going forward. I guess, yeah, I guess because Triple H maybe sees and maybe even Ray maybe wanted it too. Maybe he said, hey, listen, I know my son, he's going to be here a lot longer than I am. Maybe you can experiment with his character right now. And we let's be honest, his character has been a little bit stale for the last little bit. So I think with with it intrigues me, man, with Rayo Ripley, because she, to me, is the leader of Judgment Day. A lot of people still think it's Finn. I don't think so. I think Ray is the leader. She's the one that pulls all the strings, and um, she's the puppet master, obviously. And I think here with Rhea and, and Dominic, I think it would be a really interesting duo and dynamic. So you have Priest and Finn, who are both experienced veterans. Priest is more of like that up and comer, but he is a little bit older. But you have a guy like Rhea, uh, you have a girl like Rhea Ripley, who's what, 26, 27, and a young stud in Dominic, third generation superstar. It could be deadly, man. So it's like I said, though, it's either hit or miss for individually for Dominic. I don't know how he could be as a heel, but regardless, we are going to see him turn heel come Saturday for sure. What do you think of him now? Like he's growing out that mullet and shades <laughs> of uh, Eddie Guerrero. And that was a big rivalry. I never thought like they would go in this direction. But do you think Dominic's going to? turn on Ray and then start taking uh, all the mannerisms of Eddie Guerrero and say that he wishes Eddie won the custody ladder match. That, to me, that would be very ballsy, but I wouldn't be surprised. I think the farthest they would go is probably like the, the, the move set. Like he'll do maybe like the, the three amigos as like a signature and then the frog splash for the finisher. But I can't see him like changing his name to like Dominic Guerrero and all that, but it would be interesting to see like if he kind of did tribute Eddie a little bit. Like maybe you do the three amigos, you do the 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 lie, cheat, and steal approach. Like you get the chair and then you throw it. Like if he does that a little bit more consistently as a heel, I think that would definitely put Dominic over. But don't do it to the point where you are Eddie Guerrero. So there's obviously going to be that, but I I love. I love that idea for sure for Dominic. That would be funny. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. Uh, and the way he turns, you know, like what if they slowly do it where he subtly turns or if they're going to just go full-fledged, Dominic uh, beats down on edge and then gets the chair and hits Ray with it. But uh, that's going to be interesting. And the main event, is something where a lot of people are talking about. Is this going to finally be where Roman Reigns loses one title or both titles? The buildup for Drew McIntyre has been that there. it looks like they're leaning towards that. Do you see Drew winning a title, or do you think Roman is going to retain here? I got Roman retaining again. I think, uh, I like like again, I like the speculation. I like how WWE is creating this narrative where Drew is the guy that's gonna dethrone him. It's in UK. He's a big face there. And 
I don't see it, man, honestly. There's not a lot of guys that can really, I believe, can take it from Roman. I think Drew is one of those guys, but I'm still fully invested on Cody taking it from him whenever he comes back. I think, you know, he's already held it for two years, Roman. Why not hold it another, like, four months? I think he's done a phenomenal job. You could complain about how he's a part-time and you don't see the titles as much, but I think that, believe it or not, brings more value to the product than to his matches. I, like, there's so many theories here. Like, literally, theory can come out and cash in. You have you have Tyson Fury, who's been rumored to come out and cause Drew. The Fiend has been rumored. There's just so many obstacles, I think, for Drew to get over to win the title. And I just think right now it's not the best time. And again, you said it before the pod went live. If a guy like Fury comes out and costs Drew the title, I think that wouldn't get a good reaction from the crowd. But I think, Alino, like, I think the surprise approach would be necessary here. I think you just have Roman Reigns pin him clean. Like, I think that would be very surprising. It'd be a little bit of a shock factor. Maybe some fans would roll their eyes, say, okay, we, you know, he won again. But this is Roman Reigns, man. This has been a dominant run. We haven't seen anybody hold the title this long since Hulk Hogan back in the 80s. So Roman's doing historical things, and I think the historical reign continues, man, uh, after Clash of the Castle. I'm going to go uh, – I think they're going to do something where the crowd's going to be happy for a little bit, and then they're just going to turn it on and send them home pissed off. I think Drew beats Roman, oh, man. and then we find out only one title is on the line, and then – that's when we're going to see the bloodline attack Drew, put him through a table, and our boy Austin Theory, who right now doesn't have a match advertised, is going to cash in and walk away with the WWE title to piss oh, off everybody in the stadium and take, give them their nice little moment while it lasts for like five minutes and send them home all pissed off and online and then the event will be trending all weekend over AEW. And <laughs> do you think uh, Austin Theory could realistically be champion? I, I said last week when we talked about the Gargano segment and how he's basically said he wants to win the WWE title and, you know, all the individual titles. I think it's more likely now if, if Gargano never came back, you have that big time feud. I don't think it would be a priority for Theory to win, but. You know, Triple H is high on Gargano. I think eventually, if they really want to maybe pause for now with Cody Rhodes, I think Gargano would be a good short-term feud for Theory for the title. It's something all wrestling fans, especially the internet fans, would love. So, I mean, I think it's a possibility, Alino, but I don't want to see Reigns lose it yet. I don't know what it is. I just don't want to see it happen. Like, just imagine this. He has a fucking sword. <laughs> Comes in. Wins the title. And then all those fans are on cloud nine. And then the final swerve. Like, do you think that would be too negative for them? Or do you think that would be something that helps them ratings-wise? Uh, I mean, I think I know, obviously, they'll, they'll be talking about WWE Clash, of the, Clash of the, at the Castle for a while. But... I don't know if fans would get fully bought. Because, dude, people already are tired of the bloodline. So if the bloodline would go all that way and attack Drew and cost him the title, just because they're, what, they're sore losers, they lost, and then they cost him the title. Like, I don't know, man. Like, you're having both heels as champions. I know it's interesting with theory, but I don't know if they would get behind it. 
it's it's risky. It's obviously different. It's fresh. Sometimes fresh is good, Alino. Sometimes it's not. So to me, I like sticking with the status quo when they're on fire. And Roman Reigns is freaking on fire. So I'll stick with Roman. I like your prediction, though. I think I could see it happening, like you said. And like I mentioned earlier, fan involvement's going to be huge in at this pay-per-view. And that would definitely be one of the biggest fan involvement situations if that were to happen. But we got one more match, man. We forgot Riddle and Rollins, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That that would be to me that this could be match of the night. And I think it's stupid. It's not a no DQ match. After what you saw on Raw and how the animosity just continues to deliver, what do you expect for both these guys, man, leading into 2023? Because I think I saw a stat and I sent it to you. Seth Rollins has not held a meaningful title in a very long time. So, you know, we all know Randy eventually is going to come back. Do you see Riddle maybe elevating his game to a WWE champion after the spew with Rollins? Or do you think he's more of that we'll see type of guy? Yeah, I think like he has shown flashes of it since coming up. Like I know he didn't really come up on the best of circumstances there coming in during the pandemic and it was something where they needed something fresh on tv and no crowd to really work off of but he's made it work the stuff with randy orton was entertaining while it lasted and then orton ends up getting injured and ends up being out longer than i think they hoped and now with seth i think there's going to be a way to show that riddle is capable of uh, performing at that level with a guy like seth rollins in the main event if he's given that opportunity, but I think Seth is going to win this. I think he has to just because he hasn't really came out on the winning end of all his feuds, like with Cody, even Cody coming in with a pec injury <laughs> and he's able to beat Seth. I think that kind of took away from Seth as a top guy a little bit, even though he's capable of being in the ring and being the best, but I think they need to have Seth go over in this one, no matter how good Riddle has looked. I think, uh, Seth needs a win here. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I think there's obviously going to be a rubber match. This is this is probably going to be a feud that maybe ends at Survivor Series or maybe even after that. But I do expect Rollins to get the win here. I think it's been too long. You said it perfectly. I think, you know, you look at the circumstances that he had to go through. We saw in early January, he had a phenomenal, I mean, they teased that he could potentially win the title from Roman Reigns, the universal title. And came out in the shield gear and all that. And then that ended very, very underwhelmingly with the no deep with the disqualification. And then they just dropped the feud. So I think down the line, we need to see a Rollins face turn. I know it sounds crazy, but he's always been over with the crowd. I know that we love this heel uh, snarky type of Seth Rollins, but I think he's got to eventually become, you know, that, that baby face Seth Rollins that we saw in 2016, where he absolutely was lighting up, lighting the world on fire. So I love Seth. I love Riddle. I love both these guys. I think they're going to knock it out the park on Saturday. But when push comes to Chevalino, it's been two years with Seth Rollins without having a title. He's arguably one of the best wrestlers on the planet. I know he makes everything work. It doesn't matter if he's in a tag team, mixed tag team, gender. It doesn't matter what it is. He makes it work, but... I think a title is looming very soon for Seth Rollins. And I'll ask you this, just to end the class at the castle. Do you think his feud with The Fiend ruined Seth Rollins? 
I think it did a little bit just because of how the match played out and they did no favors by having a red hell in a cell cage with uh, <laughs> red lighting around it. That kind of took away from that. And just the ending of it, like Seth at that time was a baby face. They booked him horribly. He was coming out. He was so cringy with his character. Oh, yeah. They didn't really build him like he was in 2016. And I think if they did that, more fans would have came around to it. And like when he faced Brock when we were there at SummerSlam, like it was oh. that was a perfect moment for him to turn and become that guy and then eventually turns heel again not long after so it didn't really make sense i think if they're gonna do it it has to make sense and if he's gonna face roman i think that's a perfect way to do it yeah like they even they even teased the face turn at in january and we saw how over he was like i think it the time has come we get it you know he is a phenomenal heel but you're looking on SmackDown, other than Drew McIntyre and a couple others, there's not a lot of big-time faces. What, Sheamus going to go for the title? No, he's not. So Seth is going to be that guy, I think, and I think he has to do it, man. What? As soon as after Survivor Series, I would like to see a Seth uh, face turn. Yeah, I'm with you there. They do it right. It should be one that at least helps their brand because – they're kind of lacking a little bit. Like, I don't know if they're turning the Miz face after this whole program with Dexter Loomis, uh, making <laughs> fans feel sympathetic to him for always being attacked or what the deal is with him. But it looks like they're trying to freshen up some heels and turn some faces, uh, try to experiment them like we're seeing with Dominic. But uh, another event that's taking place this weekend, AEW All Out, their biggest show of the yeah. year. And the main event is kind of, I don't know, a lot of people think it's disappointing that they're going with it after what happened two weeks ago, but do you think this is the right main event to have, John Moxley and CM Punk? Um, seen as Omega doesn't have the title, I mean, I've always said for the longest time, Alino, the title, the main title has the main event. So I'll say it is the right main event, but again, I, if, if I'm booking it, I'm having Osprey and Omega main event, but you know, it is what it is. Moxley and Punk, like I've mentioned to you so many times, marketability is huge in the wrestling industry. And, you know, Moxley and Punk bring that, they bring that marketability. They bring that history too. And it to me, I think the whole intriguing thing for this being the main event is, again, the narrative. You don't really know who the face and heel are. Um, yeah, you know, CM Punk coming off yesterday shouting you know i'm the heartbeat and you know i've been dead since people have wanted me dead since i'm born and all that the passion behind the promo i get that but at the end of the day man cm punk has to turn heel i think it has to be at this pay-per-view moxley to me is still not a baby face call me crazy i just don't see like his, it's his bravado that he brings i just don't see him being a being a baby face i think he's just that type of guy where he does what he wants he gets what he wants and the results are always He's successful. So I will say this, Alino. I think it is the right main event, but I'm not sure if the quality is going to be there because I am scared with um, with how CM Punk's injury is. Do you think that he has to win now? Like it's a foregone conclusion. Like they're having it in Chicago, the rematch. They gave Moxley the win before. So you think Punk winning is likely going to happen? I, I want to just say no, just because I hate predictable main events. I don't know if it's just like, you know, throwing the towel for Moxie's reign. Like, I don't know. Like, I, John Moxley is coming off to me a very disappointing AEW World Title run. 
like when Omega got hurt and then Moxley held it and it's like whatever like it, it was it was good but it wasn't I don't think it was to the point of being a main event star you look at CM Punk he hasn't been the guy for what 10 years so you know let's say he turns heel with his buddy there at in Chicago he's gonna get cheered regardless we talked about this last week he's not gonna get booed it's gonna be a tough situation where he's gonna have to come out on Wednesday and he's gonna have to really cut a fire promo to the crowd and bash the crowd because we saw in the past that Lino with his feuds with Cena with the rock he would bash the crap out of the crowd and the crowd would boo him even if you liked him he would get under your skin and you would boo him. But in this case, with in Chicago, you're, he's not getting booed. It doesn't matter. So I think he does need to win. Will he win? I'm not really sure. I don't want to just say that he does because, like I said, don't like predictability. Never have. So for now, I'll say Moxley retains. But I'll say this. I think best case scenario, Moxley retains. And then on Wednesday, Punk turns heel. I like it. And do you think uh, there's going to be, a, I think, a ladder match here and they're saying the Joker, so a mystery opponent, the winner gets a future title shot. Do you think MJF has to be that guy to come in and make it like he wasn't scheduled to be and he just came and put himself in the match to win it and he gets a title shot against CM Punk or Moxley? I think so. Is Ricky Starks in it? Uh, Ricky Starks, no, he's going to be facing Powerhouse Hobbs. Uh, oh, I think yeah, in the yeah, opening yeah. match. Yeah, then yeah, probably MJF. I think uh, it's a perfect time to come back. It's been a while, and again, you said it perfectly, Alino. Let's say a big time thing happens on on Saturday with uh, you know, with the main event, like Roman Reigns loses, Theory cashes in, all that. What better way to kind of even it out than having MJF come out? in this ladder match winning it and then facing the winner of punk and moxley in that case it would probably make it even more predictable that punk wins but regardless you're getting mjf coming back in pro wrestling that might even outweigh the outcome of saturday so i think if AEW is smart you do have mjf come out in the end be that mystery opponent and win and feud with punk down the line because mjf is money and uh aew is missing them a guy like CM Punk, believe it or not, call me crazy, he benefits from feuding with MJF. Not MJF benefits um, with feuding with Punk. Punk benefits feuding with MJF. So I think it has to be MJF. I like what you said there. He's got to come back sometime, right? And do you think that they should go in another approach here? Like, let's say MJF win, or let's say MJF's not in the match. Like, do you think he should come out? attack both guys in the main event so you don't see or hear from him at all and all of a sudden you just see mjf pop out of the crowd and attack him and the biggest show of the year ends with him flipping off the crowd in chicago i think that would be just as important too honestly if he doesn't come out and is in that match and again you have to remember the mystery factor we haven't seen him wrestle in a while so if let's say he's he does the dexter loomis card he's in the crowd has a black hoodie on and you know, right when you see CM Punk going for the finish, you just see MJF, a mystery guy, come out and attack CM Punk and cost him the match. And then, yeah, he looks at the crowd, flips him off, walks out, and Moxley retains. I think that would just that would be just as good. And unfortunately, CM Punk would still be a face, but you have that long-term feud, you know, now being organically improved tremendously with MJF coming back and, and uh, costing CM Punk. But I do think... 
the first option is most likely where you have MJF come back, maybe even as a face, win the match, and then you have CM Punk turn heel later on in the night. I like it. And uh, another match here, Lionheart Chris Jericho, Brian Danielson. Like, I don't know what the deal is with this. Like, it looks like they're trying to go with Garcia Jericho after this whole feud, and they're using Daniel or Brian Danielson in here as a guy to be in between that happening. Like, do you think this match could steal the show, or do you think it'll just be like one of those matches that leads to something else? I really hope it's both, man. I think you can still have it lead to something else after being a phenomenal match. We know Brian, uh, uh, Brian Danielson over the years, man. We saw the gauntlet matches he would put in WWE. He could go for a very long time. And I mentioned uh, Chris Jericho's, you know, health. He looks incredible for his age. And I think if you can put on a 20 minute bender with, with Brian Danielson and still kind of lead towards targeting a guy like Garcia. I think that's best case scenario. Now, I don't know what they expect from Garcia in the long run. Is he going to be like a Ricky Starks? Not really sure. I know he's more of that. Um, he's. I, I feel like he's not as uh, – I think he's more green is what I'm trying to say. He's not as ready as Ricky Starks. But, again, feuding with a guy like Jericho is going to definitely boost your resume and improve – your in-ring work, and your IQ for wrestling tenfold. So I think Brian Danielson and Jericho could steal the show. It could be like a Riddle and uh, Seth Rollins scenario where they go on for a little longer than expected and, you know, knock it out the park. But I really hope it is like that. I hope it's not like a 10-minute thing where you just have Jericho be pointing his pointing his finger at Louis and uh, at Garcia saying, you know, you're next. So... Regardless, I'm excited because, again, you have Brian Danielson and Jericho, two legends in the game going at it. Should bring marketability. Should be fantastic. And we all know Chicago crowd, man. They're rowdy as hell. And speaking of uh, legends getting in on the action, uh, it looks like Miro was uh, (laughs) (laughs) talking to God and he summoned Sting and Darby Allin uh, to be on his team. And they're going to be joining them against a host of black like, do well, you think they, we're there's a swerve here that Miro and uh, Sting and Darby will get the win, or do you think there's going to be something that happens and uh, we'll see House of Black get the win? You know what, man? Call me crazy. I want to see Sting turn on Miro here. I want to see Sting join the House of Black. It's been hinted for a while, and now if it's not him, why not Darby Allen turn, man? Like, you could have Miro and Darby Allen in a long-term feud and – Basically, it, it, I will say this, Alino, if, if, if that's the case, it'll be interesting television for weeks on end because you have a manager in between. Like Sting would obviously probably be hinting towards um, Darby Allen, but at the same time, Miro's the guy that said, hey, I have faith in you to wrestle in this match. I want Sting. So it would be interesting regardless, but what do you think about that? Because House of Black, at the same time, you feel like they don't need a heel turn in this spot, but I don't know, man. I feel like anytime you put a random team together, it always breaks apart. So out of those two guys, who would you see being the guy to turn? I'd like the sting uh, idea. I think it'd be something different too. Like he wouldn't obviously have to wrestle a lot, but he can be that guy in the group. Kind of like what edge was the judgment day early on before they destroyed it and ruined it. So (laughs) 
I think Sting could actually make this work. Like he's reinvented himself a few times in TNA and it ended up being in positive, even though at the maybe at the first when they first did it with the Joker saying I came off like what the fuck's this guy doing and yeah. ended up uh clicking. So I think his age and like I don't know, like I don't think he gets enough respect either. Like this guy's in his sixties and the stuff he's still able to do is crazy after a career ending neck injury and he's cleared after an AEW and just able to have like even physically limited he's still able to have some decent matches out there so i think this could add something to his career house of black with sting and maybe a new side of him new promos i think it can help the group even more going forward yeah and don't get me wrong i'm not saying you know murphy and black can't talk on the mic or anything it's just can you imagine a sting manager come out and cut those passionate promos like that would be that'd be incredible i think that would actually really benefit all three members so we know i mean now you know we've been watching those two guys in wwe for like three four years now we know at least we had high expectations for them in wwe so if you can imagine you add sting to the mix in a tag team and maybe they down the line man they feud with ftr for the titles, like that would just be absolutely fantastic. So regardless, I'm rooting for it. I want to see Sting turn heel here. I'm with you. That'd be cool. And uh, I guess we got to talk about uh, a match here that I don't know what to make of it. It's uh, Wardlow teaming up with uh, FTR to take on Jay Lethal, Motor City Machine Guns. It's... I guess something that fans are looking at as a throwaway match, but they promoted Motor City Machine Guns as like a big deal. So do you think this should be a squash or do you think it has to be a little bit of a longer match? Uh, I mean, the way they built them up to me is kind of like out of, like I think they've exaggerated it a lot. FTR is a team that's been so respected, man, for fuck forever now. And, you know, you have Wardlow, who's a guy where, to me, he can be money. He can be a guy that you throw him in any situation, he can get the job done. So with the other guys, like, I'm not really sure what to make of this huge expectation with 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 that, with that group. But I think FTR has to get the win here, man. I, I don't – it's just one of those things where they've been on a roll for so long. I don't want to see them lose here. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it would kind of take away from it, even though Jay Lethal, like he's done good. It's just I don't know what his role is in AEW right now. But yes. the Canadian, the Canadian legend Christian Cage, it's going to be fighting Jungle Boy one on one. Um, I don't know what to make a Jungle Boy. I know he's a sympathetic babyface here, but I really would love to see Christian Cage just get a win on him and brag about it and extend this rivalry for another few months. It has to be done, man. I think that's the only option here. I'm not I'm not satisfied yet to end the program. I think I miss this Christian. We haven't seen this type of Christian since 2011 when he was feuding with Orton. I just love when he bashes the fans and bashes everyone around him. Like he just he has that different type of like I don't know attitude, and I just love it in Christian. So the fact that he's bashing a guy that looks so innocent in Jungle Boy every week, it's just it's must see man so i think christian has to win this just to extend the feud man i i, I love it for for christian 
And do you think we'll see him introduce somebody as uh, his backup? Like he had Tyson Tomko before. Like, do you think he'll have someone similar? Like, because <laughs> like Jungle Boy has Luchasaurus. It looked like Luchasaurus was going to be with Christian, but they ended it out way too early. Like, do you think Powerhouse Hobbs can be that yeah. guy if they go in that direction? Or do you think Keith Lee turns on Swerve eventually and we'll see him align with Christian? No, I'll say powerhouse Hobbs probably is the guy. As soon as you, as soon as you said a guy, I, I just thought of powerhouse Hobbs. He has the name, you know. Christian needs a powerhouse. He needs a guy to you know protect uh, <laughs> protect him. So, I think powerhouse Hobbs and uh, Luchasaurus would be a hard hitting feud for sure. So, regardless if you have those four, you know, feuding Jungle Boy and Lucha versus Christian and powerhouse. I think regardless, man, that would even be intriguing tag team action. So I would I think Powerhouse Hobbs would be the guy, but even a guy like Keith Lee, that would be intriguing as well. And speaking of Keith Lee, uh tag team there, they're taking on the acclaimed. Like I think him and Swerve are better off as singles guys. Like, yeah. do you think this is gonna be the direction the acclaimed beat them and they go their separate ways? I think so. I think it's finally time for both those guys to show Tony Khan what they can do uh, in a singles uh, scene. I think Keith Lee, we all know what he can do, obviously. He, you know, um, he was the uh, – what 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 title did he have? He didn't hold – was he the NXT champion? I, I forget. Yeah, I think he had – I don't know if it was both at the time or – I know for sure he had one of them. Yeah, the I NXT. know for sure. I know we for sure he had titles in NXT and we saw how great he was. And then he had that spot at Survivor Series taking out Roman Reigns. And I think Swerve is the type of interesting character for me where if you're new to watching wrestling, you don't really know how good and how how great of, of, of potential that this guy has. This guy's money. Swerve is a guy where he intrigues the crap out of me, Alino. If you put him in a single feud with anybody on that roster, and trust me, AEW has a talented ass roster. I think Swerve can make it work. I think Keith Lee, we all know what he is capable of. I think it's time, man, that yeah, they go their separate ways. And whether they feud with one another or they go on to face other superstars, I think it's it only benefits. And uh we got the women's side of things here. Jade Cargill defending the TBS title against the Athena. I know they've been building her up a lot, but like I see a lot of women having a little bit too close of a match with Jade Cargo when it's on pay-per-view. Like, do you think they need to do a shock factor here and pull a Goldberg and just beat her in like 55 seconds or something and have her go over on Athena? Or you think that would ruin her character too much? It makes sense, right? Like she's she's a different type of animal, but I don't know. I feel like it might ruin her, honestly, because I've been seeing some rumors that a lot of fans are displeased with her run and if you know you you lead to a squash match that that never really tends to benefit the superstar so i do think i'll you know i think this is actually gonna i was gonna say this is probably gonna be a pretty back and forth contest i don't see this being a squash but if it is if you're cargill that might not be a good thing for uh for quite a while so i hope they don't do that to her she's been fantastic I think this should be a good back and forth match. Again, it's going to be, you know, outperformed by so many other matches, but I think this match should be a back and forth one. Yeah. And uh, the other women's title, the interim 
uh, AEW women's title because Thunder Rosa got injured. Uh, That's, yeah, Tony okay. Storm, Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter, and Hikaru Shida. I know a lot of people are looking at this like, okay, Tony Storm, I think, was supposed to beat Thunder Rosa. I guess that was a plan, but now she's in an opportunity for an interim title. Do you think they should do a swerve here and maybe have Jamie Hayter win the interim title? Yeah, I, I do like that idea, but I, I do think Tony Storm is probably the better option. But again, like you mentioned, there's a bunch of swerves that happen at pay-per-views. I still think the biggest swerve of the night, Alino, is either MJF um, costing Punk or Punk turning heel. I think that's the biggest swerve of the night. Um, or Sting turning heel. We'll see about that. But I think uh, if you have Hater win the title... Who would she feud with? I mean, another name that I really like, Alino, you said it, the first name, Britt Baker, I think. Winning the title here would also kind of be a little curveball. So regardless, there's three good candidates to win the title here. I know with Thunder Rosa going down, it's definitely unfortunate. But you know what? I'll put my money on Tony Storm. I think she's the she's the one that I think is most due for it. And speaking of titles, uh, the trios title is having their final and it's kind of weird that they did this but like they had osprey and his team take on kenny omega and the elite on uh dynamite last night and obviously the elite win they're gonna go on to all out and face probably dark order with hangman like do you think they like drop the ball here they should have had osprey and his group take on the elite in the finals yeah, I think so, man. It, it, it sucks, too, because like it's one of those things where you see those two face each other on Wednesday night, and it's like, okay, one of these teams has to lose, really? Like, I didn't really want to see this happen, but, you know, with Hangman and the Dark Order, that's, to me, intriguing. Like, I'll ask you this, Alino. What do you see their ceiling being? Like, if, if, if the Dark Order and Hangman beat the Elite, like, when are we going to see Hangman win the title again? Because I know they've been trying to i think promote him to be a main event guy since punk came back but punk has just not let that happen so do you see like let's say the unpredictable happens and we see hangman and dark order win do you think we see hangman page get that main event title before omega oh man it would be tough like i know omega he looks like he's still kind of banged up a little bit like i don't think he's 100 percent. maybe he's like 75 percent and He's able to still perform, but I think they're keeping him in this trios or six-man division for now just to get him back into it and not have to focus on him being a focal point in a singles match. But I think eventually, like, you're going to have to put him in the main event. This guy's, like, your cornerstone of your company. And if you have Hangman go first, like, they might be already throwing away a story if they're having them fight for a six-man title, so... I think they booked themselves in a corner with this one. Yeah, I think the, I, I agree. I don't think they should have done the dark order there. I think it should have been Will Ospreay's team, no doubt about it. But in, in terms of what I asked you, I think it goes back full circle, man, because you got to remember Hangman Page was the first ever AEW champ. Or wait, was he the first ever? No, I think it was Jericho. But he beat Jericho for it. So it's like, all right, he won it before Omega. So, I mean... It depends on what, what Tony Khan sees in Page. I know Page was booked to be probably the future of the company, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, way back in 2019. But 
Yeah, dude, you have to put Omega in the main event. It has to be done. And there was something here on Twitter, like Will Ospreay put out that he's uh, for the foreseeable future. Uh, he's not going to be with AEW, I guess, whatever agreement they had with New Japan. But do you think this could also be one of those swerves that like Will Ospreay ends up challenging Kenny when they have that Grand Slam uh, event on Dynamite when they go to the tennis arena? And as a way to sell out that stadium, you have Ospreay and Kenny Omega as one of the big matches there. Yeah, I think that's good. Uh, that's just good business. I think, honestly, things can change throughout a schedule. And, you know, he's obviously one of the best, one of the goaded guys in New Japan in the last, since, like, Shinsuke's been there. So, um, obviously, New Japan probably is going to come to an agreement in terms of contracts and certain match dates. And I think, again, like you mentioned, going going to a situation like that in a, in a tennis stadium and, you know, potentially taking on a just a gem in Kenny Omega. You can't pass that up if you're Tony Khan. So if I'm Tony Khan at, at about that time, I'm getting business done. I'm bringing Will Ospreay over and I'm having that five-star classic match. And Hey, maybe Dave Meltzer might put that six out of five. We never know. <laughs> <laughs> and like, all load is uh, known for having those uh, surprises and whether it's a debut or return, like last year we saw Adam Cole and Brian Danielson both debut. Are you expecting anyone? Like, would you like to see anybody uh, debut or return at All Out? Uh, there's really not any names coming to me right now, man. They, like, they're loaded right now. I don't really know if there's anybody big enough to really intrigue me. I mean, obviously there's The Fiend, but he's not going there. I think... Um, an interesting guy, call me crazy. I know it's it's kind of, I think it's far fetched to hell, but maybe a guy like um, what's his, like Braun Strowman, like if he doesn't go back to WWE, that'd be a big swerve, right? Because all we've been talking about is him going to WWE. You go out, maybe take out John Moxley. Who knows? You never know. But it's definitely not probably in the cards. I don't know, Ali. You know who do you think? Uh, bring up some names. I'm I'm drawing blanks. One I can see, and like I don't think he'll wrestle, but like you know how they do that thing with Tony Schiavone comes in and like an interview oh, yeah. segment type of thing. Jeff Hardy I can see comes out. Like I don't know how many days of that he's been in uh, his situation, but like Jeff Hardy, Matt Hardy, they come out and he announces that like I guess that he's ready to come back, but in a tag team, and his first match will be in like whatever a month or so, like. Do you think that could be realistic? Do you think they'll just save that for like a dynamite? You know what? If MJF comes back at all out, I think that's the big time swerve or change or, you know, return. But how about this, Alito? Let's say Punk turns heel, wins the title. Jeff Hardy comes back on Wednesday. <laughs> Let's run it back to 2009. You have a face Jeff go up against CM Punk for the title. I mean, it's probably not going to happen. That's my childhood Chris coming out, but. That would be a treat for me, for sure. Yeah, I think they got to do that eventually. Whether CM Punk's champ, Jeff Hardy, like whatever his situation is, I think if they're on the same roster for the first time since like 2009, it'd be a disappointment if they don't at least have any interaction in the ring. Oh, yeah, it has to be in the ring. And even if it's backstage, too, that'd be freaking hilarious, man. Like, <laughs> like hey, Brock... you still work here? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> like that thing with Brock, he's there and... 
they're both wearing the flannel shirt like straight off the farm we just had that little interaction like yeah my first match i almost put you in a coma but it's all good jeff i love <laughs> they that. just leave so i think that's something there. like mjf i think should be the guy though like if you're gonna take headlines away from wwe and out trend them on twitter like do you think that would be the biggest disappointment if it's not mjf I think so. Yeah. I think MJF, it's been too long now. It's been what, three months, two months since he did the, he walked out. I think obviously you want to make a nice build for it, right? Like sometimes it's four months, sometimes it's half a year. You have no idea, but with all out and how big of a pay-per-view it is, I think it has to be MJF, man. I'll bet you on that. Well, uh, Chris, this was a fun one. Uh, we went down and broke down everything for Clash of the Castle on Saturday. All out Sunday night. Uh, out of the weekend, who do you think is going to be the biggest standout? Oh, for for wrestler? Yeah, or from both shows. If you can look at both shows or both events together, like who do you think is going to be the guy or the match that we talk about? I think I'll say this right now. I think the guy that we're going to talk about the most is definitely going to be MJF if he does come back. But I do think the guy that's going to be, that's going to have the biggest weekend is going to be Matt Riddle. Okay. I like it. I'm going to go for match Gunther and Sheamus. Yes. Uh, For guy, I'll say, I like the MJF one. I'll go MJF and, if it's not him, I'll go back to the WWE side. I'll go Austin Theory <laughs> as the <a> new <laughs> champ. So I'll go Austin Theory and Gunther versus Sheamus. I think will be a match of the week in there. I love that. I mean, if it is Gunther Sheamus, that's going to be one of the best pay per views of the year. I like it. Well, uh, that's all for episode 192. I'm Giancarlo Lino. That's Chris Martelli, and we're signing.